One of the questions raised in our readings this day is, how do we recognize authority? Now, living in Northern California as we do, maybe the automatic response to that for most of us is authority. (laughs) But this is a, a very old question for not only Christian communities, but Jewish communities, and really any religious tradition at all, especially when prophets come rolling into town. I remember very clearly being taught in the history of early Christianity that that some of the writings we have from the late first and early second century are lists of criteria that authentic prophets must meet or not meet. For instance, do they ask for money before they give you a prophecy? Do they stay a little bit too long in one place? Because prophets are supposed to be itinerant. How do we know that they are authoritative? Come to think of it, how do we know what is authoritative and what is not? In Mark's Gospel, Particularly early on, this is a question that comes up over and over again. Who is this Jesus, and how do we recognize him? Who is he? And Mark, being Mark, wants us to understand that Jesus, of course, is the Son of God, but The interesting thing that Mark does is he makes sure that nobody in the story recognizes him at first, except the demons. They can see him coming from a mile away, and they're very upset when he shows up because they know the game is up. He's gonna show up, he's going to speak the truth, and there will be no room left for them whatsoever. that sense in which when we hear the truth, we recognize it because it drives out the darkness and the demonic and the things that had held us bound for so long. That kind of authority. And I bet if you reflect on it very long for yourself, you will remember when you encountered that authority. It may have been in a friend. It may have been in a mentor. It may have even been in a stranger dropping a piece of timely wisdom in your ear. and Suddenly, the direction of your life shifted in a profound way. That's authority. Prophetic authority. But positioning ourselves to both recognize and hear it is another theme of our readings today, particularly when it comes to that letter to the Corinthians, which is all about eating or not eating. And if you follow the narrative, you get sort of tangled up in Paul's rhetoric, right? Which Paul likes to do. He likes to spill a lot of ink and sort of tangle up everybody in his rhetoric. That's his way of getting us thinking about who we are 
and what it means to follow the example of Christ in the midst. For the Corinthians, there was a big question. You know, their town was full of shrines and temples to various idols, and food was offered there, and food that was offered took on a particular spirit, the spirit of that idol. You know, we've inherited this tradition. Just think about our communion service, for instance, when we take bread and wine and we call it the body and blood of Christ. That's after that ancient tradition, the recognition that divinities can inhabit plain, ordinary things and change them, and in turn, if we take them in, change us. So this was a big question for the Corinthian community, and based on what Paul writes, we can sort of glean what was going on. It's pretty clear that there were members of that community who said, well, we know better. We know that these idols aren't real. Ergo, the sacrifices to them aren't real. Ergo, the food to them isn't tainted. So we can eat that. Well, there were others. Paul seems to hint that they were new to the faith and they had come out of these ancient traditions and to go back to them was to turn their back on the call of their baptism and Christ. Paul, you notice, is very careful not to take sides. He showcases the conscience and the thinking of both of these points of view. And he does something rather remarkable. Rather than say, you're right and you're wrong, he says, pay attention to each other's perspective and conscience and safeguard that. What Paul is calling that early Corinthian community to is humility. Fast forward a couple of millennia and another example that some of you may be familiar with is an example that C.S. Lewis put in his writing in the middle of the 20th century, where one of the great controversies in Anglicanism was whether we should stand or kneel while praying. Some of you remember that, right? Should we stand or kneel? It was so controversial, in fact, if you look at the rubrics, the instructions in the Book of Common Prayer, it often says right before the Eucharistic prayer, the people will stand or kneel. In right one, by the way, it's the people will kneel or stand. Okay, we have to poke fun at ourselves a little bit. But C.S. Lewis found this so important that he wrote about it and he said, would that the person standing be mindful of the person next to them kneeling? Would that the person kneeling be mindful of the person next to them standing and honor each other's conscience? In other words, would that all of us take a position of humility and be open to the movement of the spirit not only for ourselves but for others to be respectful and mindful of difference in community and 
and to recognize the fundamental dignity of every member of the body. It is only from that position, I would say, that we can actually perceive true authority and God at work in our midst. And as we have heard today and as we have already sung, we recognize that authority not by its credentials, not by its knowledge, not even by its rhetoric, by its love for God's people, for God's speaking, for the spark of the divine that inhabits each and every one of us. A worthy teaching for us, I would say, in a divisive time, yes? Something to carry forward out of these doors into our daily walk in the coming weeks and months. True authority can be measured by its love. Perhaps that's what Jesus brought to Capernaum all those years ago. Rather than doing as the scribes would do, and that's turn back to the text, he brought to them the love of God a love that drives out darkness, a love that drives out the demonic and all that binds us and draws us into the wellspring of life itself. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.